1: Onward we roll into hour number two now. Nine minutes past ten o'clock. Thanks for being with us. It is a Thursday, the eighth morning of the tenth month of the year of our Lord 2020. By the way, are you getting close to memorizing that uh, Reagan Open yet? Uh, I've been listening to it because I've been playing it at the top of each hour for years on this radio station. And uh, I I think just by osmosis, I'm starting to memorize the entire thing. I sit here and say it in my head. Uh, I don't know if I would actually put it to the test yet out loud without actually trying. But just by, by accident, I'm starting to memorize it. And that's a good thing. That's a very, very good thing. That inspiration is something we all need. We usually get inspiration on Thursdays at this hour from Dr. Everett Piper, and I have no doubt that today will be the exact same way. Dr. Everett Piper joining us now. He is, of course, a past university president. He is a radio host in his native Oklahoma Now, among other titles, including best-selling author and weekly columnist for The Washington Times. And, Dr. Piper, it's always good to talk to you. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, as always. So did you cast your vote yet? Is early voting underway in Oklahoma? Uh,
2: It is, but uh, I I just prefer to go in on Election Day. I I like the feel of that. So I get up, I drive over to a small little dinky town, a ghost town of sorts, in my rural community, and I cast my vote there.
1: Very well. I'm going to vote early because I think it's going to be a little congested on Election Day, and it's just for convenience more than anything, but I am indeed voting in person. And uh, since we're talking about voting, I don't think we have to wonder for whom you will vote, Dr. Piper, because your column from this past weekend's uh, Washington Times uh, was very expressive. I don't care if Donald Trump is a jerk. He still has my vote. Now, um, I think there are a lot of people who would uh, agree with the former and many who would agree with the latter part of that statement. They think he is a jerk. A lot of people, but they're still going to vote for him. Dr. Piper, let's uh, talk a little bit more specifically. How and why do you want to vote for a jerk?
2: All right. The reason I said that, the reason that's the headline to that column is I wrote it uh, shortly after the presidential debate. Mm -hmm. And um, I frankly said something in a tweet that made a lot of my conservative followers upset. I said, Donald Trump has my vote because of his policies. He's pro-life. He's pro-business. He's pro-constitution. He's pro-Israel. Um, he's pro-religious freedom, etc., etc., And therefore, he has my vote. But frankly, I think tonight the debate was a disaster. I think he acted like a five-year-old. So when I said that, <laughs> my conservative base took issue with me. And I rewrote my article trying to educate those people as to why I said what I said. It doesn't matter. Conservatives don't vote for a king. Conservatives vote for a constitution. Conservatives don't vote for ideologues. Conservatives vote for ideas. It is said that Winston Churchill was inappropriate, rude, acerbic, and caustic, and arrogant. Thank God for Winston Churchill. We don't need a Chamberlain today. We need a Churchill. We don't need a Patsy. We need a Pitbull. I don't care if Donald Trump is a jackass. It doesn't make any difference to me. What matters to me is the policies that he has proven through the first three and a half years of his presidency to be a defender of. He has defended my religious freedom at every turn. Thank God for President Trump, and it doesn't matter to me if he behaved poorly and if he was ill-mannered during that debate. That's
1: my point. Well, I... I think I think almost everybody would agree uh, that President Trump has a very abrasive personality, and he wasn't just, you know, uh, a little overly aggressive in that debate. That's how he has run his entire presidency. It's how he ran for president four years ago, actually five going back to the summer of 2015. It's what got him the nomination and then it's what got him elected, he's not going to change that now. If you are just now figuring out that the president can be kind of a jerk in terms of personal tone, and I'm, of course I'm not speaking to you, I'm speaking to people in general, if you are just now finding out that he can be kind of abrasive, uh, then you really you really have to start paying a little bit more attention. But you're right, Dr. Piper, his abrasiveness is kind of just what you have to put up with in order to get results. I would rather have somebody who is a little bit harsh, a little bit edgy, a little bit aggressive, a little bit mean-spirited at times, and he can be. Of course, part of that I don't think we can blame him, considering the attacks that he endures on a regular basis. Sometimes you have to, you know, you're you're going to fight back and defend yourself, but you have to accept the abrasiveness and the edginess and so on and so forth to get the results. I'd rather have that than somebody who is a, a sweetheart of a personality who who just isn't hard enough to come up with the policies needed and ram them through in order to work uh, work for the American people.
2: I I obviously agree, and uh, my article uh, got a lot of got a lot of play last week because of the tagline and because of my contention that Donald Trump is a jerk. Donald Trump can be rude. Donald Trump can be ill mannered. He I don't know that I would enjoy working for the man. I mean if he were to treat me like that all the time, I'd probably take issue with that. But here's the thing, what? and I hear this out of I hear this out of millennials in particular. Oh he's a very mean man. Oh who cares? <laughs> who cares if he's a very mean man, if he's a rude man, if he's an ill moral man. And then they'll respond and say, well, you're the guy who has been arguing that character matters. Well, I have been very forthright. If Donald Trump can be proven to have poor character, I'll be the first to point that out and the first to criticize it. But being mean and ill-mannered and rude is not synonymous with being a man of poor character. It may be a man that's ill-tempered, but not poor character. Winston Churchill did not lack character, but Winston Churchill lacked decorum. In fact, one of the lessons of history on Churchill is this. After he was elected to the prime minister's seat, he and Chamberlain entered chambers together. They stood and gave Chamberlain a standing ovation, and then they sat down and refused to give Churchill the same, because they didn't like the guy. He was a very mean man. Who cares? Thank God for Winston Churchill. Otherwise, we'd all be speaking German right now.
1: Let's bring some context into character versus just kind of being mean. Um, And let's talk about Joe Biden. You wrote this. You included in your article about why Donald Trump has your vote um, some very important lines about Joe Biden. Joe Biden spent a part of that debate last week calling Donald Trump a liar. Uh, And as you point out, quote, Mr. Biden is a man who has lied about everything from his own academic background to his support of the Green New Deal to his son's involvement in Burisma. Mr. Biden is a pathological liar. I said congenital today as I talked about this, but pathological will do, who actually had the audacity to call someone else a liar on a national broadcast. His hypocrisy is astounding. His lack of self-awareness is nearly unbelievable. Dr. Piper, I bring this part of your article up because... um, this is coming up now. The uh, the uh, debate commission wants a virtual debate between the two candidates uh, for next week. And President Trump said no way. And I think in large part because there is no way that we can trust Donald, or I mean, uh, Joe Biden to not cheat. He has lied and cheated through his entire 47 years in public office, lied about some of the stuff you mentioned here, and much, much more. I played an entire five-minute clip of Joe Biden lies uh, before you came on the air. So how can we trust a guy who's been a liar his entire career, a cheater and a plagiarist his entire career, to abide by the rules of a debate um, if he's in his own little private cocoon where there won't be anybody watching him?
2: You can't. And just because some people think that he handles himself with more civility, and I think that's even questionable. I don't find the man to be a civil man.
1: Um, I don't okay, either. He's, quick te- he's quick-tempered. He's very angry. He calls people names all the time.
2: Yeah, he calls people out into the back alley to brawl with him because they disagreed with him in a stump speech. He literally has done that, but yet he's a nice man, and Trump is a mean man. So we're going to vote for the nice man who believes in butchering babies, the nice man who's been a pathological liar, whose previous reputation uh, some 40 years ago when he ran for president was that he got caught plagiarizing in his academic career. I mean, if I did that, if I got caught doing that, my reputation would never have escaped me. I would have lost any opportunity to be involved in the ivory tower if I would have done what Joe Biden did. And that's proven fact. Mm -hmm. That's not speculation. So why is this man, Biden, a man of character and Trump isn't just because Trump can be a little bit more harsh and firm and acerbic than Biden. Okay, fine. I'll grant you that one. But that doesn't mean millennials. Listen to me. Millennials. Listen to me. I don't care. If he's a no-good, very mean, orange man, I don't care if he's a jackass. He is defending my religious freedom and yours, and that reason and that reason alone gets my vote.
1: Amen to that. That's a big, big part of this. You mentioned butchering babies, so Dr. Piper, I'm going to use that as our segue after this time out uh, to talk about uh, Joe Biden's faith. Uh, last night, Kamala Harris said that both she and Joe Biden are people of faith. He is uh, described as being a practicing Catholic. How can Christians, Catholics or otherwise, evangelicals, support somebody who supports the butchering of babies? I'm going to get your thoughts on that coming up next on AM 1420, The Answer. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, there it is, Rowdy Everett Piper, uh, continuing with us on AM 1420, The Answer, Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, on a more serious note, Dr. Piper, I do want to talk about the uh, uh, the matter of abortion. Um, Kamala Harris uh, was unable to defend herself, didn't even try to defend herself on that issue last night. Joe Biden has never uh, addressed this either. It's kind of funny. He and they, as a ticket, continue to talk about science, science, science. Look at the science when it comes to COVID. Look at the science when it comes to climate change. Neither one of them want to look at science when it comes to babies, living, breathing babies uh, inside their mother's wombs. So Dr. Piper Let's talk about faith here. Um, Amy Coney Barrett is being put on trial when she her confirmation hearing start because of her faith. Let's talk about Joe Biden's faith. He is a practicing Catholic. Kamala Harris says she is a person of faith. I don't know what faith. How can people of faith, how can people who who profess to believe in the tenets of a church, um, then actively and publicly denounce those very tenets? Because the church says, the Catholic church says that uh, all life is sacred and that life must be preserved. They are out there advocating for the destruction of that life. How can people who are of faith trust these people who say they are of faith but then violate the tenets of the church?
2: Well, they can't. And you should. If you're going to violate your vows to God, I'm serious. Let's just cut to the chase in terms of character. If you are going to publicly denounce and violate your vows to God, your vows to the Church, your commitment to the Lordship of Christ if you claim to be a Christian. And let's just say it, if you claim to be a Christian, at very minimal, you should at least subscribe to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, regardless of, regardless of what denomination or stripe of Christianity you claim. So when Kamala Harris says she's a person of faith and Biden is a person of faith, what faith? What faith? faith are you practicing? Well, I'll suggest I know which faith. It's the worship of the God they see in the mirror rather than the one we read about in the Bible. Because you cannot, you cannot claim to be a Christian and at the same time vote for a party and a person that believes in dismembering children five seconds before they're born and then selling their body parts for profit, which is exactly what Planned Parenthood does. And it's exactly what Kamala Harris and Joel Biden say they will continue to prop up with their pen and with their bully pulpit. You cannot tell me that you're a follower of the Lordship of Jesus Christ when you vote against the Born Alive Infant Protection Act, which Kamala Harris has done, which means that if a child, an infant, who has survived a botched abortion is laying on the operating table in a cold steel pan, begging for his life and gasping for air, that the doctor does not have the legal obligation to try to save that human being's life. Kamala Harris has voted for infanticide. How can an evangelical Christian with a straight face endorse a party that celebrate this they don't just tacitly support it they celebrate it it's a tenet of their i'm gonna say it their faith their religion the god they're worshiping in the mirror
1: doctor let's let's uh add to that um what happened earlier this summer the supreme court issued its ruling uh in the what's called the hobby lobby ruling i guess um but they ruled and uh they upheld a pro-life order from president trump that protected people of faith, and in this particular case, an organization of faith, the Little Sisters of the Poor, um, from being forced to pay for abortion-causing drugs. Joe Biden responded to that ruling by saying, quote, uh, as disappointing as the Supreme Court's ruling is, there's a clear path to fixing it, electing a new president who will end Donald Trump's ceaseless attempts to gut every aspect of the Affordable Care Act. If I'm elected, I will restore the Obama Biden policy that existed before the Hobby Lobby ruling. End quote. So, in other words, Joe Biden is promising as president to force, um, you know, people of faith, whether they be Hobby Lobby or the Little Sisters of the Poor or a cake shop, for example, but they will force them uh to violate the tenets of their faith and provide drugs or prescription or payment rather for drugs and prescriptions that will indeed induce abortion.
2: Yes. And I want to remind everybody, I was a co-litigant in the Little Sisters of the Poor case all the way to the Supreme Court. I stood on the steps of the Supreme Court with the Little Sisters. I went into the Supreme Court chambers to hear the court debate the case. I Stood with the Little Sisters. In a sense, I'm one of them. Now, I want to ask this question. How can you be a practicing Catholic and turn around and tell nuns that they've got by contraception in their health care? I thought nuns were Catholic. I thought nuns were celibate. I didn't think nuns were supposed to use any contraception. I didn't know they even needed contraception because they don't have sex. So tell me why anybody in their right mind would tell a bunch of nuns that they've got to buy contraception of any kind, let alone that which induces abortion. And that is what Joe Biden has promised to do. These women, these nuns, I I think they understand their faith, their vows, their bodies. I think they understand their values, their religion better than any government official how how shameful of joe biden to suggest otherwise
1: what you're describing is really the manifestation of evil i believe uh on earth and um it's to that end that i want to i want to segue into this to, to wrap it up this morning evil um 61 according to a new poll and i know you commented on this on twitter 61 percent of democrats polled Are unconcerned about President Trump's well being when it comes to his health. 40% are happy, not indifferent, happy that he and his wife have a potentially fatal disease. I want you to add that, Dr. Piper, to the CEO, or excuse me, former CEO of Twitter, who declared in a tweet as well that me first capitalists. Um, are eventually going to be lined up against the wall and shot in the new revolution and quote I'll happily provide video commentary you have leftists wishing death upon the president and the first lady and And cheering the notion of shooting people for being capitalists. This is the manifestation of evil on earth. Is it not?
2: Absolutely now And then you add to that, the founder and publisher of the Jacobin magazine came out this week and tweeted that he could easily defend and support the execution of the little Romanov children. All right. So you've got all of these statements. And this is the party. 61% of Democrats are happy that Donald Trump has a potentially fatal disease. Happy. 61%. Six out of 10 people who subscribe to this party say they're happy. And then a former communications director for Hillary Clinton came out and tweeted that she hoped Trump died from COVID. This is the party of love. This is the party of inclusion. This is the party of tolerance. This is the party that criticizes all others for being hateful and bigoted. But yet, yet they spin on a dime when their political opponents' lives might be in jeopardy to the point where they actually admit, as Dick Costolo Former CEO of Twitter said, You will be lined up and shot. You will be lined up against the wall and shot if you're out of compliance with the social justice warriors in the new revolution. This is not just rhetoric. This is very dangerous. This is very dangerous. I need to shut up. You're at the bottom of the hour.
1: Um, No, 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 I I never mind. I never mind if you go over, Dr. Piper. We've got time, uh, as I've said to you in the past, and what you were talking about is extraordinarily important, and I just want to open people's eyes. I think most people in this audience, their eyes are open, but we need to make sure that uh, other people understand this. This is so much more than just political ideology. This is good versus evil, and I'm going to wrap it with this, because you actually tweeted uh, about this as well, and I don't know if it was your quote or if it was somebody else's, but uh, uh, there was a tweet about evil or a comment about evil uh, that I just want to share to wrap this, uh, uh, Dr. Piper, um, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it now. I'm struggling to find it before the bottom of the hour here um, about celebrating evil. Do you have that, Dr. Piper, about uh, first?
2: Uh, if, first? If, if, I, don't, I don't have it right in front of me, but it was probably G.K. Chesterton. But he said that those who talk about evil and celebration of it today will be the first to practice it and promote it tomorrow. So these people here, that are here, here
1: talking, it Go ahead. Yeah, I found it, Dr. Piper, and I'll let you wrap with this. First we overlook evil, then we permit evil, then we legalize evil, then we promote evil, then we celebrate evil, then we persecute those who still call it evil. And I think that's uh, that's that says it all.
2: And we're at the end of that equation right now if we don't vote properly in November.
1: Very well said. Dr. Piper, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much.
2: Blessings. Bye-bye.
1: Dr. Everett Piper on AM 1420, The Answer takes us to our bottom of the hour news. We're going to talk with the Undersecretary of the Veterans Administration, Dr. Paul Lawrence, next on AM 1420, The Answer. 1037, now we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to pivot away from some of the hard politics of uh, the day and the debate last night and beyond. I want to talk about COVID nineteen and its impact on people's mental health. Um, <clears throat> really, it's the impact of the reaction and the uh, orders that have been given <clears throat> in states around the country to the coronavirus, than the coronavirus itself. It has led people to isolation, feeling isolated, uh, feeling depressed, uh, feeling like they have no one to help them because they literally are in many cases isolated and. Um, I'm, Chief among these, at least uh, for for me, is our veterans. There are a lot of older veterans who don't have family, uh, and if they do have family, they can't come around them because of fears of coronavirus and more. Well, the VA is reaching out and working very hard to connect with these isolated veterans through a series of virtual um meetings, if you will, uh, virtual meetings and discussions and support sessions for these uh, veterans. And joining us now to talk about one of these that is happening here in Ohio today is the Undersecretary for the Veterans Benefits um, Be- Veterans Benefits at the Veteran, uh, 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 Veterans Affairs is Paul Lawrence, Dr. Paul Lawrence, Undersecretary for Benefits. That's what I'm trying to say. On AM 1420, The Answer. Dr. Lawrence, good to have you on the program. How are you?
3: Great. Thank you, Bob. And thanks so much for caring about veterans.
1: Well, you know, how can we not? It's really so sad. One of the worst things about this disease and what we're all dealing with right now in, in the COVID world is people who are isolated and alone. And, you know, sadly, through PTSD and other emotional and psychological baggage that a lot of veterans are already carrying in their normal lives. Now add to it forced isolation and other things. It just makes it so much worse on them. Somebody needs to look out. And I know you and the rest of the good folks at the VA are doing that. Can you tell us more about these things? Town Halls.
3: Oh, certainly. So it's exactly that. Before the pandemic, I used to travel a lot, go to Legion Legion Halls and visit with veterans in person. We started a series of teletown halls where the veterans can call a number, and I'll give you the number here in a second, Mm -hmm. and ask me questions, quite frankly, about what their benefits, what their situation is, and how we can help. I'm anxious as the leader to hear some of the hardest problems and figure out how we can get action and solve them. Have a team on the line. We often follow up with the veterans. And so it'll be uh, this afternoon at four o'clock for the Ohio veterans. And if they call 833-380-0417, and they can press star three. We'll try to get to as many questions as possible. It's a little of me talking and mostly us trying to work the questions for our veterans so they understand VA is here, from them, here for them in this times, and we're happy to help.
1: How many of these have you held, held already in various states?
3: This will be the 85th one I've done since about the end of March. I've covered all states. I've looped back to them again, going back again based on where our veterans are and, you know, what the response rate I got in terms of folks uh, trying to ask questions and, you know, and the needs, quite frankly.
1: The Department of Veterans Affairs obviously, you know, has undergone some radical changes in recent years. Um there were some very very uh negative things uh being said and done. There were veterans who were dying in line waiting for services uh really in the last 10 years or so. Um can you talk about how things have improved in the last few years uh, particularly since the reforming of the VA under President Trump?
3: Certainly. Well, you, you got it, Bob. President Trump, it was pretty clear veterans were going to be at the center of his administration. So that set in motion a couple things. First, the largest budget in the history of whenever. OK, and it continues to grow every year, his commitment to that. But more important than the budget was the tools he gave us, the Accountability Act. You see him joke about it when he speaks, the ability to say you're fired to folks here who don't want to serve veterans and should be working somewhere else. He passed a couple series of laws to improve the, for the GI Bill, to improve the way we did appeals, and even the Mission Act, which allows community care for our veterans. So there's been a series of tools. And, you know, initially, a better management team, quite frankly, uh, the team that leads it now, and I'm a little biased because I'm part of it, many of most of whom are veterans, a very senior and skilled team. So you've seen our trust scores go up pre-pandemic, our waiting times, and the access to care, and the processing of benefits was the fastest it's ever been. So it's just been a tremendous change from just a few years ago.
1: You know, this is political, and I apologize because I said I was steering away from politics on this, but just because of what you just described, nobody forced President Trump to do those things for the VA, right?
3: No, nobody did. He just committed to it. I think it was uh, he put out a list of things that he promised to do when he was elected.
1: The only reason I ask that when I say nobody forced him to do this, this is something he wanted to do. This is something that was very personal to him. And I wanted to get your reaction to the accusations that were made last month uh, that the president, while visiting uh, uh, in Europe, did not go to a certain uh, veterans cemetery because of the suckers and losers there don't deserve my time. This was the accusation. It has been refuted many times. But it was brought up again last night on the stage by Kamala Harris in the uh, uh, in the vice presidential debate. And I just, you know, listening to you talk about the the, the sincere support that our veterans get from our president, I just wanted to get your reaction to that.
3: I can only judge him by his action. He's promised to deliver for veterans, and that's what I'm here doing. You know, he, like I said, the largest budget, the new laws, all the things that veteran advocates have been talking about for years are being done by him. So I've seen him deliver on promises. So that's what I can comment on.
1: And that well, that's exactly what I wanted to hear Uh, because you know he is delivering on promises for veterans that he did not have to make, and he certainly did not have to keep because it's in keeping with uh, with elected office. Sometimes Uh, you say things to get elected, and then you let them fall uh, fall by the wayside when you get there. But he has done what he said for veterans, and for people to uh, to condemn him for that is just all right. I've taken you away from the subject here. I want to get back to the town halls. Typically, you've done eighty four of these now. This will be your eighty fifth. What are some of the questions that veterans are asking you when they dial up to talk to you about their benefits?
3: Oh, well, certainly. So one of the questions we're getting a lot from our veterans, and they're thoughtful, is they, what happens to my spouse if I pass? America's very generous, so we explain the spousal benefits. Um, that the way, and we helped them understand that. Uh, we've had homeless veterans call and say, I'm in a shelter. What does, what does VA offer to homeless veterans? And there's a great deal of resources. And the one I'm thinking about, we helped her get her claim complete, get her a payment so she could reunite with her son. So it's a series of questions about their benefits. Uh, for example, student veterans were affected during the pandemic, as you know president-signed legislation to uh, keep them in a good situation based on the way they receive a housing allowance from us. And we're getting a lot of questions because interest rates are so low about refinancing their home. That comes as one of the original GI Bill benefits called the Home Loan Guarantee. So we get a wide range of questions about all the benefits. And, you know, we really try to answer them, get them information, and figure out if some require personal information. We'll follow up and have one of our benefits experts get in touch with them and see what a good path forward for them is
1: we're talking to Dr. Uh, Paul Lawrence he is the undersecretary for benefits at the Department of Veterans Affairs which i said much more smoothly this time than i did at the open um doctor i kind of you know made a big thing about you know the the psychological impact uh, um of their time uh in service to this country on a lot of these veterans and how their isolation and uh you know the the you know the fact that they just can't see people uh and experience normal lives with their families and so on because of the 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 disease uh, that it's impacting them a great deal can you can you talk a little bit about that are you hearing from veterans who call to these town halls that you are holding from people who just need somebody to listen and somebody to talk to
3: There's a little bit of that, but we have two things going on to try to address this. One is a new program we started last year, actually in response to an executive order the president signed about a year and a half ago that had better help us understand the military to civilian transition. We call it Solid Start, where we call our new veterans who've just left the military three times in the first year to connect them to VA, and we prioritize these calls if you've had a mental health appointment in your last year of service. So we're really trying to find these folks, as you indicate, Bob, and connect them to VA and let them know you've just left the the most effective team in the world, the U.S. military, now come to the largest, strongest community, the veteran community, connect with VA, and we're here for you. In addition, our colleagues who run the hospital system, they've been conducting many, many more tele-mental health visits than ever before by an astronomical percentage increase to make sure we are connecting with our veterans.
1: Dr. Paul Lawrence is our guest. He's the Undersecretary for Benefits at the Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, I've got a a question here that I may not be quite understanding from a listener who is a veteran. He's a regular caller uh, who wants me to ask uh, Dr. Lawrence, what happens to the VA if they win on Medicare? I don't know exactly what win on Medicare means or if that means if Medicare is taken away from vets. But can you talk about anything involving uh, Medicare with the VA?
3: Yeah, I really, I really probably can't comment. I really probably don't know enough to comment on that. I just know that part of what is really important to veterans right now is what we're able to do based on the largest budget, the large budget that the president secures for us. So I do know there are many, many programs and many, many demands of our veterans. So obviously, if that changed, we'd be able to do less. But you know, the president has no intention of letting that happen.
1: There's a great article uh, that was written by uh, uh, Dr. Lawrence at military.com about the program that we're talking about right now in these virtual tele town halls, if you will, in which veterans can inquire about their benefits. You can learn more about the Solid Start program, uh, which is suicide prevention and the Prevents Initiative as well. Uh, the things that Dr. Lawrence are talking about, is talking about are very, very important. Phone numbers are listed on this article as well. Just look it up at military.com, and I'll post this on my Facebook page as well so people can see it. Dr today's uh teletown hall for veterans is uh in ohio is at four o'clock how can somebody who is interested in reaching you uh be a part of this
3: sure simply to call 833-380-0417 and you'll be asked to press three to, uh, press three and you, and you can pose a question
1: so if you've got questions for Dr. Lawrence and the staff there at the VA, the uh, uh, Benefits and Special Operations During COVID-19 tele- Telephone Town Hall is today at 4 o'clock. And if I heard that number right, 833, I'm writing it down, three eight zero zero four one seven. correct?
3: That's right, Bob. Thank you.
1: Dr. Lawrence, thank you for what you're doing for our heroes uh, and those who have uh, fought and laid it on the line for this country. It's so cr- incredibly important, and we appreciate it, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Bob. You got it. All right, that's Dr. Paul Lawrence. I, I, I can't overstate the part about veterans' isolation. We all know the statistics um, that somewhere in the neighborhood of 20, 21, 22 veterans take their lives every day um, because of a variety of things in their lives, um, depression, uh, psychological disorders, PTSD, and other things that take hold, drug addiction. Because of some of the things that they experienced and add that to COVID and the isolation that comes with it and it just gets worse. So I cannot, you know, state strongly enough uh, that people need to look into this for their loved ones. If you have a veteran who struggles or maybe if you are a veteran who struggles. The Solid Start program that I just talked about, uh, which is Suicide Prevention for Veterans, it is uh, something that was started and funded by President Trump. Um, it's just extraordinarily important. And you can reach the VA at any time if you want to learn more about these things at 800-273-8255. I'm going to read it again in case you want to write it down for your veteran and your family or for yourself. 800 273 Five, five. And um, the VA doctors uh, and, and staff will continue to meet with veterans wherever they are, getting them connected however they need to be, whether it's in person or virtually. Call 800-273-8255. Very, very important. And then as far as today's event, like I said, we just got it from uh, Dr. Lawrence. If you would like to be a part of the Teletown Hall today for veterans in our state, call eight at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Call 833 380 0417. I'm sorry to overwhelm you with numbers, but I do want you to have those phone numbers because it is that important. Our veterans are, should be anyway, the most cherished among us because they give us the liberty that we have. 1050, we'll be right back. All right, 1055, final segment of The Authority, as always, is a short one. But thanks again to Dr. Lawrence. Thanks also. Earlier to Dr. Everett Piper. Great stuff. If you miss any of the interviews on the uh, authority that you want to hear, make sure you check the website. Uh, Really, almost immediately at the end of the show, you can check it out at whkradio.com. Go to the podcast page. Go to the local podcast page, and, yes, indeed, find the hour you are looking for. So Dr. Piper, and we usually label those as to who or what was discussed um, in each hour so you know exactly what you're looking for. But that's at whkradio.com. Also, even easier... Put it on the or get the app rather, because uh, we put it there as well. Just download the free mobile app. Go to your Google Play Store or your Apple App Store and look for 1420 The Answer. Download it, then you can uh, have all of that stuff at your fingertips. Mikhail is calling from Beachwood about voting on AM 1420 The Answer. Hey, Mikhail, go ahead, sir.
2: Yes, I called in yesterday to report a 58, 59 minute wait um, at the 12 o'clock hour in Cuyahoga County Board of Elections. Yes, you did. Drove drove through uh, three people to vote yesterday. No lines, zero lines at the 2 o'clock hour. This is some great news for the Donald Trump uh, campaign and the Republicans because Cahoga County is supposed to be the source of great many votes for the Democrats. Cautiously optimistic, but if anyone's considering uh, early voting in person, uh, things are looking good right now.
1: That is good news indeed, and I'm glad to hear that. Thank you, Mikhail. I appreciate it. Look, I hope more and more people do the early voting. I used to be a bit of a, an opponent of the early voting idea. Only because people were voting before, you know, debates even happened. For example, if debates are going to uh, change your mind, I really didn't like the idea that people could go out there and vote before they even heard what they had to say face to face. I have altered my opinion and my view of that in the last few years. And in fact, as I evaluated the debate for you, you know, the first presidential debate that we had just a week and a half ago, um, I said quite simply that I, I feel like it's irrelevant now how Donald Trump does on a stage for 90 minutes with Joe Biden, isn't going to change Trump voters' minds. And it's not going to change Biden voters' minds. And I think that the undecided vote, which typically decides elections is so small anymore because everybody is pretty much firmly entrenched in a camp that the debates can't really matter. So because of that, I have embraced early voting much more than I ever have before Um if you know who you like, moreover, if you know what you like and what is important to you, specifically talking about law and order versus anarchy in the streets, capitalism versus socialism in business, uh, lower taxes or higher taxes, you know, if you you know, open borders versus a controlled border in a sovereign state, if you already know what you stand for. The debates don't matter. Go cast your vote. Do it early. Get in. Uh, you know, Try not to have to deal with lines. Don't have to deal with any problems You know, on Election Day that might, you know, you know, my car broke down. I couldn't get to the polls in time. Don't leave it to chance. And don't allow the left any opportunity to steal this election. The only way, my friends, that we can ensure a President Trump victory and a Republican Senate victory is to make sure that the in-person votes that are tabulated on election night, both from early voting and from voting on election day, are so overwhelmingly in our favor that no amount of mail-in voter fraud can even overturn it. I cannot express that enough. Get out there and vote. Don't leave it to chance on election day. All right, thanks again to Dr. Piper and Dr. Lawrence. Thanks to you for being a part of the show. Look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Uh, Peter Kersenow and Lisa Wood's going to join us on the program tomorrow, as well as Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, so make sure you're here for all of that. Uh, Mike Gallagher's next on AM 1420 The Answer. Have a safe day. Bye-bye.